Hey, beautiful freaks. Welcome to In Too Deep. I'm your host, Jack Rowland. Today, I'm joined by all-round exceptional human being, Solomon Petrovsky. Sol is a qualified gestalt psychotherapist of 15 years, a trained martial artist practicing in ninjutsu, and founder of The Mind Ninja, therapy and coaching which draws from his expertise in psychology and the wisdom learned through martial arts. The work Sol does really is great, from effectively helping people while they're at their worst to empowering people to strive for their very best. All right, let's get deep with The Mind Ninja, Solomon Petrovsky. Is there a point to all this? God damn, you look good, Jack. Oh. God damn, you oh. look good. Is it hot in here? Is <laughs> the heating on? God damn, Prince. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Prince. The Far Prince out. of Preston. Is that... Is that is that what we're rocking these days? Prince of, Prince of Preston, I'll, Prince I'll of Preston. fucking definitely take that. In Preston, in you every day. <laughs> oh, it's so cheesy, I love it. <laughs> so, man, so fucking, oh man, it is so good to see you, dude. It's good to see you too, brother. Um, as I said just before, I sincerely regret not having you in my life more, really. You're just then fucking... let's take some action. Let's do it. Action let's take now! Some action. Yeah, action now. Let's take Fuck some action, yeah, man. man. I'm here. Yeah, sweet, so, fantastic. I'm here, brother. Let's I'm, do it. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, so, let's and do it. Um, let's catch up, man. I'm I'm down for it. I I love good yeah. people in my life. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, we met. We met. You were a customer at a cafe, and it was love at first sight, really, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. It really was. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. It was an interesting time in my life, and yeah. and you boys were just the the highlight. Mm. Truly the highlight of my day. Some of the laughing we did in there. Oh, my uh, God. I'm sure we would have annoyed a lot of the people a lot of the time. I remember one time you laughed so loud. Mm, mm. Like everyone jumped out of their seat. Mm. The entire cafe was just like freaked out. Yeah. Everyone was freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were just sitting there with your hands and your, your head in your hands. So between, between you two boys uh, and your shenanigans, um, which, like I said, like, I'd be devastated if I walked in and one of you two boys weren't there because, like, your humour, uh, your characters, the way we all bounced off each other was just so powerful. Synergy. And it really always got me thinking about the power of laughter. Mm. Dudes, man, I've, I actually, I've come to completely believe laughter is better than sex. It's the it, best it, thing it, in the world. It is so important. Yep. And, and, I, and I remember when I used to lecture, we'd... I'd run a whole section Mm. on it in terms of how much are you laughing in your life? Yeah. And you see the faces of the people like, yeah, I laugh. Mm. No, no. How much real genuine laughter do you have in your life? Like, do you have people in your life that make you laugh? I mean, really make you laugh. Like I knew when you walked in tonight, Mm. like, we're going to go deep, of course, but I knew before all of that, we're going to be on the floor, side splitting <laughs> from like, something. If I don't get a bellowing laugh out of you, right? I'll, be, um, I'll be upset. But hey, right? you know, we'll see. And, and um, <laughs> you know, so I got them thinking about how much laughter they have in their life. What do they have around them? Um, and what sort of things make them laugh? And can you trick yourself into laughing? Mm. Yeah. 
And people often say, well, it's not a good thing to trick yourself into something because it, it doesn't, you're not being true to how you really feel. Mm. And to some extent, I get that, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be, um, genuine to how you're feeling and, and, and validate that. But, but at some point you've got to shift it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was at the point where, where you, you know enough about yourself and you've got to get into action mode. At some point, you've got to shift it. And when you're, when you're so used to being serious and sad, sometimes you've got to trick yourself. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. You guys were a trick for me. Sick. I'm happy to be the trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sneaky little a trick I am. sneaky little trick. <laughs> but you guys were a trick for me. I knew every day coming into the cafe was going to trick me into accessing that part of myself that I had lost. Excellent. Oh man, that's and, so nice to hear. And those bellowing <laughs>, laughs was accessing a part of my place that I, I, I completely lost. Yeah. I, got, I got swallowed up by the seriousness of life. Mm. It's funny that you even frame it as like a real challenging time for you because like, man, you could have fooled me when, when right. we were all just like having such a good time. And by the way, the, uh, when you refer to the, the, the guys, it was uh, Andy, Andy Ross who's also been uh, on this podcast a bunch. Shout out to, that, to Gumboots Man. Gumboots man, my yep. man, yeah. big A, <laughs> much love, much love, my brother, if you're listening. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny, like, I mean, even on, on what you're saying about tricking yourself, like, I don't really need a, a huge amount to prompt me into laughing, mm, but um, mm. have you ever seen or partaken in, like, one of those forced laughing exercises? Because it's one of those things that you look and you're like, that is cringe as fuck, but have you actually just, like, it's impossible not to laugh because it's so awkward and then you just like I, nervous laugh and then it just turns into... I haven't, I haven't done one, but I've seen them and I, I 100% believe... Yeah, it's cringe, but it's awesome. 100%. <laughs> I'm into and, it. And watching people laugh makes me laugh. Yeah. So I've got, a, I've got a thing that I do as a part of my self-care routine, mm. which I'm sure we're going to get into. And then yeah. you're asking me about how, how do you do the work and not have the work kill you in, mm, mm. in essence, like mm-hmm. with being a practitioner. Yep. But part of that is laughing. And I've got one of my, one of my dearest, dearest, dearest friends whom I speak to every day. He's completely off the charts. Mm. Now, he just sees the world in such a different way. He's an author, he's an artist. He's wacky, he's zany, he's crazy, he's a genius, absolute genius. And he's by far the funniest man I know. And people that know me dearly will know who I'm talking about. And so I call him, I call him every day. Yeah. He calls me for content, for his work. Mm -hmm. And I call him for laughs. Yep. And we have a mutually beneficial relationship like that. And we've been friends for 12 years and we're so close. And it's, it's my laughter therapy for the day. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And I think everyone needs it. Everyone needs a place where they can go and laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And and time that they can set aside to do that, especially when things are hard. Yeah, man. It's so important the people we we surround ourselves with, right? Because uh, you know, like fuck, if if we're in a dark place and stuff, and sometimes people are always are really there for you and, and sometimes your friends can become your therapist and but sometimes that becomes habit, right? Mm. And and then it's kind of like, yeah, let's let's it just becomes serious time all the time, but like, yeah. And you need friends and you need friends that, that don't kind of join in that, that kind of 
um, or... that that feed that that yeah. kind of victim state that we can often find ourselves in when we're dark. Mm. Um, mm. Look, you know, sometimes it can be healthy for people to feel sorry for us. You mm. know, it's not all bad, but who you surround yourself with is really important. It can either really bring you down, or or really pick you up and make you hopeful and and, and make you inspired. Yeah, like I had. I had someone very dear to me spend a night with me last week um, who, who was, you know, going through something. And we, we didn't really talk about it so much. But just with, with my energy and the things that I talk about and, you know, um, the job that I do and some of the things that I see, like by the end she was bouncing. Mm. She's like, right. I've got, I've had all these things in my head and I haven't actioned any of them. Right, that's it. When I get home, I'm writing those things down and I'm just going to tick them off one by one. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was saying this just before we started, but mm. I've been listening to a few podcasts that you've been on recently mm-hmm. and man, you tri- you're, you're so good at what you do, man. Like you, you, you triggered you so in much, myself, man. like just the things you're talking about of, of other people's situations or whether it's talking about your work or uh, things like self-love, the, the, the way you talk is I, I get a real instant transmission and it just kind of, it triggered, it, 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 it's really helped just the last few days of listening it, mm. uh, of things I didn't even know I particularly wanted to like sort out. It was just really, really helpful. But um, I thought maybe we could kind of just start with, so you've, you've created this incredible business called mm. Mind Ninja. Mm. When, when I first met you, you were um, turning up all every second, every other day uh, doing ninjutsu. You were like, that was your jam, nin- ninjutsu mm. and just martial That's arts, right. hardcore. Right. Um, yep. Uh, well, maybe, maybe tell, tell me about exactly what Mind Ninja is and, and how that yeah, melds sure, together. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So Mind Ninja is a, <clears throat> it's a combination of my 15 years of experience mm. in psychology and in martial arts. Mm. So, you know, I started private practice when I was, I don't know, in 2009, mm. 2008, 2009. Um, and I ninjutsu not too long after that but i'd been i'd been a practicing therapist in all sorts of different government agencies from about 2005 Mm. so i i'd work with i'd work with families of offenders i'd work Mm -hmm. with um inside inside of prisons with offenders reconnecting them to families real real hard stuff um mental health homelessness disabilities uh aged care Alzheimer's. So I've done a fair chunk of work before I started private practice. Mm. Um, but when I started private practice, um, I was in a I was in a bit of a place in my life where it didn't feel. It just wasn't enough. Right. It wasn't enough. I was doing all this work. I was out there. It just, it just wasn't enough. Like it's going to be more to it than this. Like, I'm. I'm, I'm out there, I'm, I'm busting it on the streets for like 25 bucks an hour. It's like, I, it's just things at home, things at work, uh, weren't, weren't um, something wasn't adding up, something mm. wasn't making sense. So I was like, I've got I, I to gotta, I gotta break this. this. This can't be it for me. Um, I know I, it well, by the way. Yeah, yeah I've got to break <laughs> this. And, and I know I spoke about this on a, on a different show a while mm. ago, but 
I don't know why, but martial arts came to me. It's mm. like I've been to therapy and, 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 and like I need something else. Mm. Like I'm in therapy. I am therapy. Mm. I need something else. I don't know why, man, but I, I always dreamt about doing some sort of martial art ever since I was younger, but I, I, I just never, I just never did, whether it was a self-belief thing. Mm. I just never did. And How old were you when you started it? Uh, early 30s. Yeah. Yeah, early 30s when I, when I met Sensei. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just remember sitting at my desk at work and it's all I did was just research. Mm. And I kept coming back to Hatsumi Sensei. I kept coming back to that, you know, that little... Japanese man with purple hair. It just kept come, I, I don't know what it was. Like yeah. his movements made no sense. People would just fall over, mm. and you got jujitsu over here, and yeah, you know, he's grappling, wrestling, and all that stuff. But I, there's something about this guy I could not take my eyes off him. Did you just find him on online? Yeah, or you, yeah, yeah, I just right. found him. I just could not take my eyes off him. Mm. I've seen videos of him, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> he's. Uh, he he truly is um, uh, a, a, li- a true living treasure. He mm. really is. I think he's been given the highest award by the Japanese govern- government that, mm. that they can bestow. Right. Um, I think some sort of uh, award as a as a living national treasure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, he. He's incredible. He's an incredible calligrapher. He's an incredible artist. His artwork is shown around the world as well. I don't know if you've seen. I haven't seen his artwork. Seen, no. um, it's phenomenal. Yeah. His art is phenomenal. Um, his calligraphy is phenomenal. It's all around my house. Mm, mm. Um, so, you know, I'd watch videos of him painting and then I'd watch videos of him, you know, just absolutely wiping the floor with people. Swords, claws chains and i'm like <laughs> I, I could do it yeah yep and so yeah i reached out i reached out to to my sensei here in melbourne and he had just moved from from interstate so it was like it was meant to happen mm, great yeah, yeah. And, and i remember my first lesson man i was um it, it just reminded me of, of high school like really i found it really difficult to learn things mm. um i i learned through doing over time and i think for a lot of people too uh they they don't try new things because they're scared of looking stupid yep they're scared of feeling stupid or they're scared of looking like they don't know then it gets hard then they get embarrassed and all those things happen for me mm. and that's what martial arts was it was just a mirror for me to look into over those 12 years of how I operate in the world. What do I do when I get stressed? What do I do when I get embarrassed, ashamed? What do I do when I think I should do something and I can't? What happens when I do something that I think I can't do? What do I do then? And also what my body does under, under duress. Like how does the body respond to threat? Hmm. Where does my mind go when I'm threatened? All these things that you would never think about and that feedback's instant. Yep, yep. But we would also do readings, Jack. We would sit down and read notes from Sensei in Japan about the mind of a martial artist, the mind of martial arts, this idea of nothing is real, this idea of truth and falsehood being interchangeable. Nothing's real. Mm. Yeah? Just whatever you think is real, which in essence means you can change anything at any moment at any time. These sorts of things that nobody talks about. Yeah, yeah. We're just getting bombarded with this stuff. 
And Sensei would show you in, in, in physical form. He'd show you. He'd be like, so you could take the wrist this way, right? But if you know I'm taking the wrist that way, you're not going to let me. So I just let go and the wrist goes the other way. Mm. So I just take that. Yep. So which way is right and which way is wrong? Mm. If I'm trying to take it this way, but this is the way you want to go and I go that way instead, which, so which way is right? Mm. And, and we just sit there and I remember for my first couple of years, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't understand any of it. And I was terrified going every week, but I never stopped. Something about it that just kept pulling me in like that video. But over the years, you start to assimilate the movements and in some strange way, the words start to make sense. Mm. And Sensei's big thing was always, I don't care how well you can do the technique on the mats. My big thing is how well are you doing the technique in life? Yeah. That's what I grade you on. Mm. Can you take this concept and transfer it to your business? Can you take this concept and transfer it to your relationships, to your life, to your parents, to your friends, to your work? Yeah. If you're getting upset outside of the dojo, are you using any of this stuff there? Or are you just coming to training and thinking that you're doing physical movements and just leaving it, leaving it there? Which is what most people do. They collect techniques and they think it's about self-defense and fighting on the streets at two o'clock in the morning because you're going to get jumped. Mm. Like, if you have to, if you have to use it, then you know you've missed a whole bunch of things beforehand that you're not aware of, right? Know? Right. Um, these sorts of things that he's always he was always talking about from day one, and I can tell you, Jack, man, I, and this is no disrespect to, to any of the study that I did, but I learned more about human psychology in my first six months at Ninjutsu than I did in my entire, hmm. yeah, in my entire double degree. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Only because I was, I was in it. Hmm. I was in it, being twisted, bended, you know, being exposed, being shamed in front of everybody, having to sit there and learn that way. I, I learned so much. And then it was a process of, well, how do I combine these two things? Mm. Yeah, uh, I can't call it a, a martial artist's counseling dojo thing because it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so I combined, I combined my, my deep background in Gestalt, which is very much in line with, with ninjutsu and the, and the ancient practices and philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I just combined the two. And I yeah, kind of made my own style. Great. Yeah. Of uh, your own style of, like, of like, counseling? Yeah, my own right. style. My right. own style of, of being in the room with people. And use, yeah. using, I guess, the principles of, of what you've learned through yeah, martial arts. Absolutely. In, in yeah. Yeah. yeah, being there like, for people. Yeah. Uh, I use the principles of Gestalt in terms of, you know, being really present. It's the moment-to-moment -moment work, that deep listening and all that stuff. But also the 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 principles of martial arts in terms of how we use our language how we use our bodies all that nlp type stuff mm. um how to sit in discomfort yeah huge learning how to sit when it's uncomfortable and lean forward mm. yeah lean forward and it's the hardest thing to do is to lean forward into what scares you yeah
mm. for clients and for practitioners. Yeah, a lot of practitioners will will, will work around their own discomfort and um, transpose it back onto the client. But what martial arts taught me is how to lean into mine, speak from there, mm. yeah, be from there, and the clients see it and they respect it and they work off it. Yeah, they can see that when they're at their critical point and I am right there with them. Yep. I yep. learned a lot of that from from the that 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 training in martial arts. Mm. Mm. I did um Sistema, which is a Russian martial art. I did it for about only about six months. Mm. Um and it was fucking brutal. brutal. It was brutal. brutal. Oh. Um I, I I think I, I, I eventually left because I think my kind of um, my coach was expecting a bit too much of me, mm. um, and I just wasn't ready to make it my my life. You know what I mean? Yep. And I and I kind of I, I, dis, I disengaged. Yep. Um, but I got I was I really regret not getting back mm. into a martial art, and it's never too late. But I nope. remember at that point I was working in a cafe, and um, <clears throat> we'd have these insane busy rushes. A really really busy cafe in the city, and um, we'd have dockets like up to, you know, two metres, three metres long of just dockets mm. and everyone's waiting and, mm. and it's, it's, it's stressful. It's really, really stressful in, in hospitality mm. sometimes. And um, uh, part, part of Sistema is really focusing on the breath. So it's basically, it's a big part of it is kind of meditating through immense stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, once you program yourself to do that, everything else like these, cof- these coffee dockets and the stress and everyone waiting, it'll get done when it's done. Like it just kind of went away. It's just a big, deep mm. breath under stress and was able to manage stressful things in my life so much better. Um, and I, I do regret not um, mm. following through with the martial art. I think I just also didn't um, – it's practical, yeah. It's quite a strange martial arts system. You mm-hmm. know? And, and I think that's been a, a thing is trying to figure out exactly which martial art I'd want to commit to. Yeah. But as a result, I've ended up committing to none, which is, right. uh, which is a shame. But anyway, yeah. um, I guess my point is, yeah, I, I can completely see how it does translate uh, and empowers you in, in all aspects of your life. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's awesome. Um, how, did it, how did it like really affect and change you uh, in relation to where you were at in life and, and you said oh, you were counselling and yeah. it wasn't really, you it felt like more... Everything. It right. changed everything. Mm. Yeah, it changed everything. It changed everything from how I thought about the world to how I viewed myself. Mm. And Sensei was always about unlocking possibilities. He was always about unlocking possibilities in yourself and in the world. It's endless and limitless. You know, in Bujakan, we do the impossible was our slogan. We just do the impossible. As soon as you understand it, it's possible. What's the next impossible thing? Find it, do it. And in order to find that next impossible thing, you can't be the guy you were back here. Mm. So it was, the art itself would force you just through attending to change. Mm. Mm. So there's only one technique really that we studied and that was the, the technique of change the study of nature and how nature changes. So um, a big part of ninjutsu philosophy was around natural law, nature, and how nature operates and becoming more in line with that. And nature changes. Nature doesn't think. Hmm. It adapts. It changes. It doesn't complain. Yeah? Hmm. Nature never stops and wonders whether it's, you know, looks good in its genes before it 
sends the tide in or whatever. It just, mm. it just does. Yeah. And more getting more in line with that. But in order to make the next change, you can't be that guy. So it's consistent, like polishing of my personality, mm-hmm. um, my, my spirit and what I wanted out of life. Cause it was like, you can have anything you want. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. It's all there for you. What, what do you, you know, everything that's on the line is everything you've ever wanted. Hmm. That was, that, that was what he kept feeding to me. Everything that's on the line is everything you've ever wanted. But you could change. So martial arts was just about that continuous change. But it's, change is really hard, Jack, because you threaten everything when you change. Mm. Yep. To get more of what you need, mm-hmm. as you were talking about before, about making changes and looking after yourself. Yeah. You start to change and people's expectations of you stay the same. Right, right. Right? They don't change. That's why many, many, many people stay the same. They know they need to change. They know they're suffering. They know they're in a bad way. But this whole idea about what people will think and what these relationships that they have in their life will, will turn into, just don't do it. So making, making big changes is really hard. Choosing yourself and polishing yourself and continuously doing that, the people around you are going to stop recognizing you after a while. Now, they'll either come with you, change with you, or be curious enough to celebrate it with you, or they start to... Bring you down a bit. Bring you down. and then Make fun of you. And then naturally, <laughs> oh, I mean, I was accused of being in a cult. Mm. I had an intervention done. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like when I got into Ramdas and went to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, it's the same back, thing. Like, love and <laughs> right, let me get this straight. I'm the happiest yeah. I've ever been. I'm the most content in my work I've ever been. I've had the most time I've ever had and I'm the busiest I've ever been. Mm. I'm, I'm struggling to see what the problem is here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've changed and we're worried about you. I said, yeah, I've, yeah, well, yeah, I've changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it kind of dawned on me that um, it really is really is threatening when you change. It really threatens people's perceptions. And those that I've said before, those that profit off your maybe your low boundaries or your low standards aren't going to cheer for you when you raise them, right? Because they don't get what they need from you anymore. If you're a, if you're a yes person, and you start saying no, that's that's been me. Hello, yep. yeah. <laughs> you're never you're not always going to be met with a pat on the back and like fuck. I'm really proud of you, Jack. Well done for choosing yourself, man. I'm mm. I'm going to go away and do that myself. Yeah. No. No, you don't. And so that 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 can be quite threatening. Yeah. For, for people, quite scary. And change means you've got you to lose that version of yourself. So there's a lot of grief involved, story, ego. If you've been attached to that thing, that trauma, that story, and you're going to change, you have to leave that behind. Mm. And it's always grabbing on. It always wants to come back. Yeah. So that's how it changed me as a person. It forced me four days a week for 12 years to keep looking for the next change, 
keep looking for the next change, move towards it, lean into it, find it. Seeking discomfort. Seeking discomfort. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. So since they would deliberately make training uncomfortable because basically your operating system is, yeah. Um, who you are when you get most uncomfortable, what you do when you're most uncomfortable, the face you put on when you're most uncomfortable, that, that is driving the bus. And if you've got no concept of that part of yourself, you're basically driving blind. Hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think most of us are driving blind in, in life? What do you think? I, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. I can only really kind of relate it to myself, really. Um, it's very funny to call everyone, you know, NPCs, like non-player characters and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, but like, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a combo of both, you know, a combo of ambition and totally being lazy and comfortable and yeah. letting things go. Um, th- I guess that's where the work comes in, right? I mean, I, I've... I've can keep hearing the lessons over and over and over but you can fall into comfort again and it's um yeah well, it's, we're comfort creatures right we're habit we're we're, we're formed off habit mm. and we we repeat things so we don't have to think about them when we do them naturally mm. that's that's how we're built and we're not we're not necessarily built to be aware of what we're doing Mm. and that's the that's that kind of interplay yeah we're destined for so much and we can feel it but we're not built to be aware of what we're doing and that struggles always at play of everything you could possibly be but a bunch of habits that don't work for you anymore mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily aware that you're doing them and they're so inbuilt in people from little ticks little uh words thoughts actions body language and like if we can go real deep on body language but the way i understand body language today is how you move your body and what that translates to your mind and then what your mind then translates into language meaning like the way you're you're actually holding yourself you hold yourself is a direct reflection of how you view yourself Mm from how you hold yourself, from where you spend your time to what you listen to. Mm. Yeah. um, uh, How you look, whether you care about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, To what you're like in public. How do you stand with your Are you standing straight? Are you leaning over? Are you the one that always moves out of the way when people step towards you? Are you always saying sorry for things? Like this, it's all body language and it, and it, the way you move your body in space sends a message to your brain and then formulates language about how you should think and feel about yourself. Mm. So yes, yes to all of it. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that for a very long time, actually. I'm just kind of thinking about my own body language and haven't really checked in and assessed that for a very long time. Your, 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 um, relationship with money, how, how you operate in that space. Yeah. Then where you position yourself based on your beliefs around money. That's all body language. Right. Cause it's telling you a particular story about how you should think and then how you should feel about yourself. Hmm. Mm. And then it'll position you around other people that think like that. Yeah. Yeah. Law of attraction. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I was 17, I mm. went to an Anthony Robbins seminar. I think it was, what, five days or mm. something like that. Brilliant. And it was, uh, it changed my life. Mm. It, it, at that point in my life, I was trying to be a little fucking thug, rat bag, believe it or not. I'm a fucking skinny, I'm a skinny little bitch. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a little rat bag back there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, it, it completely just like. I don't know, I wouldn't want to see you angry, Jack. I've got a story yeah, for you I for later. Not, but, uh, wanna, I would not want to see you angry. Um, but anyway, back to the Anthony Robbins one. Um, I remember one of the one of the hardest things that um, at the it was towards the end of the seminar was one of the things he was saying that you just kind of touched on, and he was mentioning about change. And then when you come back from your seminar, people are going to they're not going to recognize you and they're going to want to change you and say, how was your seminar? Oh, yeah. And, and pull you, uh, you know, kind of pull you back down to, to where, where they left you. Mm. And, and then he just said, you know, if, if, if that's your friends, get new friends. And it was it's so, so blunt, so hard. And I was like, Phew. and at that point in my life, like I said, I was hanging out with like, I was trying to be tough mm. At, mm. That, at that point. I was trying to be tough and I was hanging out with other people who were tough and they didn't really give a fuck about me. Like really. But it was hard, you know, there, there was, there, I, could, I could apply it to some people, but there was a few people like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, but that's going to be hard to like, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to come back different mm. <laughs> because of that. But um, they, they were actually really cool with it. They, yeah. were, they were sweet. And they, that's when I realized they were friends. But, but yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like the people we surround ourselves is, is, is a kind of like reflection of who you are. Like you could kind of get all your friends and you could treat it like a math equation and them plus them plus them plus them equals you. Equals you. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, it, it, can, be, it can be hard um, sticking to your guns, I guess, knowing what's best for you. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially when it goes against mm. that. Yeah. Um, that group thinking. Mm. Yeah, uh, when you start to think outside the group, right? Yeah, right. Because it's that thinking that brought you all together. Yeah, that's your role. That's your role. Your role yeah. is to be that, is to think that. Mm. And if you start threatening that, well, then you know I've said this before. When it happens a lot with couples too, Jack. Like, you know, if you come in and you've got a partner, one of my opening statements is always: if you can commit to this work and you keep doing it and you get in the chair and you sit in the chair every week, every week over time, you're going to be less recognizable each and every time to your partner. Mm, right. So just be aware of that. You mm. know? And you know, that, that's then your responsibility to either you know, to bring them along, to let them in or not let them in or what, whatever you want to do. But I'm just letting you know that as you go along the journey, yeah, you're going to be doing a certain set of things that your partner's not doing. Hmm. So just just be conscious of that, right? Yeah. So you know you've you were you were doing therapy, um, martial arts has come into your life. Beautiful, I love the way you brought that all the way around. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> nice one, nice one, Jack. Um, a big part of that is um, relationship to yourself, right? I guess empowerment is kind of introduced into the equation. Yeah. Um, and if we fast forward all the way to now, you are, in my opinion, I think. Uh, you've got that same transmission as Anthony Robbins when I when I speak to you or hear, hear you speak. It, mm. uh, it, it, it's 
And that's one thing I was uh, interested to kind of, I don't know, uh, well, dwell on. Thank you. Oh, of course, man. Yeah. Um, I really, yeah, totally genuinely mean that. Mm. Um, but one thing that I've, I've heard the lesson many, many times and you can hear it and you can take action then and there. Like I said before, we mm. all get lazy and comfortable. Um, but it's, I guess, from going from dealing with people with trauma and all this stuff, but actually going not just from therapy, but going from surviving to thriving and actually introducing empowerment into your... I mean, it's almost like life coaching, right? Mm. Well, it's a pretty cheesy term, but it's um, building people up into self-warriors or empowered beings yeah. that can actually shape and create their life, their yeah. future. Um, I mean... How, how do how do we how do we do it? So <laughs> how do we? What's maybe what's what's the work when we talk about the work? You know, yeah. we talk about doing the work because um, I've heard I've I'm, I love self help. I love mm. Anthony Robbins. I love Ram Das. I love all these Eckhart Tolle. All these different things, and I hear them. I'm all, I'm a spiritual binger. You know, <laughs> I I listen. I take it on. I'm there. Then life happens. Wow, it's such a big question yeah work um but but just the way you were describing it is is literally how i set up my business it was Mm. it was counseling dealing with trauma just helping people with their problems and um as the problems would subside they would go Mm. then when i designed my ninja was bringing in keeping the counseling bringing in the martial arts that kind of dynamism so to speak because martial arts is what helped me thrive in life it was it got me out of just fighting for my life with my little understanding of what I was doing in life it got me out of that and it got me to see the infinite potential so it got me to start thinking about what thriving might look like and the unlimited resources we have each and every one of us has got it I think each and every one of us has got a business inside of us. Mm. I truly believe that. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We're all... Think about how... Think about how unbelievably fucking lucky we all are to be here. The, the odds that, that, that we haven't got. Something deeply special within all of us. I, I, I prescribe to that. But it's just those layers of what's happened to us in our life and the traumas that get in the way... So it was the martial arts that really opened my eyes to the infiniteness of everything, if that's even a word. There's Mm. possibilities in everything and the resources. And one of Sensei's quotes is minimum of three. And I'll Mm. share that with everyone today. Meaning before you decide on anything, give me three other angles of what it could be. Okay. Before you decide you're upset about something or something's hurt you, what could be three other angles you can think about that might change your perception of that and maybe even use it as something to help you, to guide you, to shape you, to build you? One thing might be that, oh, I'm upset because this guy did something. One other angle might be, well, how did I contribute to that? Mm Mm-hmm. Immediately, boom, just asking that question gives you more empowerment. Right. Yeah? What did I do to contribute to that? And the third question might be, or the third angle might be, actually, 
was it that guy's fault at all? Hmm. Clearly I created him, I put him there. What lesson am I supposed to learn from this? I trained him to treat me like that. He treated me accordingly. Why am I upset? Oh, shit. I, I can't. Wow. I, I, I need to distance myself from this person. And so what would seemingly have looked like an attack, yeah, has now been something so positive and you can move this person out of your life and put some distance in and, it, and now I feel empowered. Hmm. I'm no longer taking your text messages. Yeah, I'm no longer returning your calls. I'm no longer doing this A, B, C, D. Small example of how you can go from, you know, um, thinking things are one way to maybe expanding your thinking a little bit. Right. You know, there's three sides to every belief. Hmm. Your belief, the exact opposite, and one more thing. Right, right, right. Meaning, if you can, then if you can find three, you can find five. Yeah, if, you, if you've already created, op- if you've already, well, one, created yeah. some space between the emotional reaction, yeah. I guess, and two, created options. Absolutely. <laughs> and five in Japanese is uh, the, the same meaning as to leave home, meaning mm. enlightenment. Mm. Yeah. Now you've left home. If you can find five different ways to look at something that would normally trigger you, now you've left home. Hmm. So the, these these lessons that you're kind of like this one in mm. particular that you're kind of describing mm. and um, but you've got to be aware enough to see it in the moment right yeah 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 practicing yeah. awareness but yeah. but i guess so um relating to martial arts and how that kind of mm. come those lessons are kind of taught through sensei um would they be like really kind of these conversations that i had or are these in direct like uh, experience like i'm attacking you can you you could block, you could divert, or you could preemptive right. strike. Sorry, or if you stand up, sorry. Sure. No, no, one's, no one's going to be able to see this. <laughs> you can probably hear it. But if you, if you just... Do I hold a mic as well? I love that. Yeah, 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 I can hold a mic while I do it, no problem. But if you, if you just take your headphones off, if you come swinging in, just come swinging in. Yeah, one, two three points of contact right. and that's how he would train us like right so there's three there's three points of contact three different angles yeah and three different things i can use if you move your foot i'll feel it if you move your left hand i'll feel it if you mm. move your right hand i'll feel it whatever you want to do if you move this way if you move this way no no so yeah. if you so my head's here if yep. you want to move that towards my head i'll just <laughs> i'll just move that way right yeah back here now if you want to move with this hand if you want to move with that hand towards my head, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, good, good. So I'll just move out of the way and look where my knee is. <laughs> Very close to my, uh, my Yeah. <laughs> so, so he would always get you thinking in threes, meaning you've got always more than one option. Right, right, right. right. But if you go to punch me and, and I'm, I'm focused on the, and I'm focused on the punch, mm. then I'm only thinking about one thing. Right. Yeah. I'm only thinking about one thing. So he would always broaden your, your vision to see more than one thing in any situation that you're in. That's how he would teach us. Mm, awesome. awesome. Yeah? Does that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's the work and how do you go from surviving to thriving? Oh, that's very similar to how my Ninja was created. Like, I was so passionate to, to explore in my work what I was doing in my training, mm. meaning... 
I'm thriving. I'm using all of this stuff. I'm building my business. I'm building the life that I want. I've got great people around me. I've chopped out all the dead wood. We're doing amazing things and visiting amazing places with, with, with my training. And um, how can I translate this into my work? And so that, that's to get you to your question before about how my ninja started. I wanted to go just beyond the trauma. Mm, yeah. So once I get you to a place where the trauma's managed, so to speak, or understood, and you've got a copy of a copy of your blueprint in your hand, mm-hmm. right, right. Then we use that blueprint, <clears throat> just like we did then. Mm-hmm. Thank you for not murdering me <clears throat> just now. <laughs> and then we can draw <laughs> more blueprints off of that original one. Mm. Right, we've got this now. How can we not only use that, but use other blueprints and to build this thing out? And that's when I would use more of the, the teachings from, from Sensei around how to, how to build your life out, man. I've, I've, seen, I've seen people go from traumatized, almost mute, yeah, yeah. To, to, to million dollar e-commerce companies. Wow. wow. I've seen guys go from addiction, yeah, to, to massive companies with staff. Yeah? Mm. Addiction. Could barely manage themselves. And now not only are they thriving, but they've got staff, they're leaders in their own companies. Mm. Yeah? I've seen I've seen people go from trauma to being teachers, leaders in in in, in community. Um, and it's all I believe from from the the lessons from the martial art and and that kind of um, taking someone's trauma and then turning it into triumph right using the same story but just finding different ways in which to redirect it Mm. do you remember how we spoke before about opposites if your life's one way you're already the opposite right Mm. yeah so if you put all this energy into being one way well the opposites are also true it's my job to help you find it and so that's when we start going more into the coaching the coaching side side of things and and helping people discover maybe what their passion might be right right yeah Mm. and really getting into well if you don't know what your passion is well let's work on it Mm. Mm. let's let's work on what your passion might be yeah let's Let's start spending time with yourself. That's where a lot of the self-care stuff comes in. Mm. Yeah? Right. On, on like kind of when you're dealing with people with severe trauma oh. and or mental illnesses mm. or um, I mean even not, ev- not even but like when, when, we, when we build up these like life scripts, I guess, mm. um, our story, why do, why, do you, why do you think we – why do we hold on to that story so dearly? when it's just completely not serving us. Huh. What do you think? Well, we mentioned before about creatures of comfort. Yeah. I think there's something there. We stick to what we know. But often that comfort is severe discomfort. Um, and I get a bit confused around that space. Mm. Um, partic- particularly when, yeah, partic- particularly when people have got it really tough. And part of that, part of that having it really tough, self perpetuates and makes 
and makes their life and they make their life really tough. Yeah. Um, and from the outside, it can be really confusing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a form of addiction. Right. Right. Our story. So we're all in, in essence, in a, we're all in essence addicts mm. to our story because it's, it's the thing that's been played over the most. And we'll always choose the story we understand versus the story that has yet to unfold. Is that because if you understand your story so dearly mm. or, you're, you're, or it's, you're so familiar with mm. it, mm. to lose that story is to lose the self? Is that... And that's... And what? That's, that's the equivalent of dying? Or like... Yeah, like, is, that, is that yeah, what, yeah, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 so, I, so identity is the most important thing in our survival? Identity and, and fitting in. So we learn mm. these things to fit in. Right. You know, fitting in, not sticking your head up because your head will get chopped off, mm. Mm. so to speak. We do these things to fit in within our families, within our society, within our communities. We, we creatively adjust to what we didn't get met and we, we pick up our traits and our mannerisms and our habits off of what we needed to do to survive. So we keep doing that to survive. Mm. And if you ask about why do we keep hanging on to our stories, well, it's because it's helped us survive. And to our body, we're always going to choose the thing that helps us survive, even if it's causing us considerable pain. Mm. Yeah? You can be looking at a needle, know the damage it's going to do to you, still pick it up and put it in your arm. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Hmm. Because it's what you've told yourself you need to do to survive. Oh, it's an extreme example, but you can... You can um, could be drinking beer. It could be whatever, could be, smoking, drinking yeah, beer, yeah, yeah. procrastination, whatever it is. You know, yep. you do it over and over and over and over and over again. And we're really good at convincing ourselves, yeah, of the reasons why we're not going to do the thing we know we need to do to change or get better. We were really good at it as mm. people because we're, we're programmed to hold on to our stories because we are our stories. Without it, what are we? What are we without a story? Not mu- I don't know. Not much. I mean, not much. And in therapy, that's the, that's the big thing is if I'm working on someone's story, I'm really conscious of not ripping it away from them. Yeah, okay. Yeah? So I'm almost, I'm almost bridging... Yeah, as, mm. I'm, as I'm working through the old story, I'm building the new story, but I'm not ripping this one down until this one's kind of built as well. Mm. If that, if that yeah. kind of, kind yeah, yeah, of yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not trying to get rid of what someone's done to keep themselves alive for 20 years. Mm. When, I, when I work with them, I, I'm aiming to understand how they've used it to help keep them alive. And it's a useful ally. Mm. How can we use this ally to build this version of you? Yeah. So we're not ripping something down to build something up. Yeah. And then they end up working together. Simplified, I know, but it's, mm. it's a little bit more complex than that. Yeah. There's a comedian and podcaster that I like called Duncan Trussell. And mm. one, one time he was talking about changing his relationship to the ego. And he used to be so obsessed with trying to get rid of his ego. He's mm. a bit, bit, bit of a hippie and stuff. Mm. And then he just changed his relationship to eventually being like, 
no, I see you, you know, flaring up at someone who's offended you. Thank you, but um, yeah. you've served me, but you're not needed right yeah. now. And that's what it's he says a, to it's himself. It's a relationship of love. Yeah. It's a, that, that's mm. the part about understanding. When you say what's the work, it's <clears throat> getting that blueprint and understanding that guy inside out. Right, right. And discomfort is the way we do it. What, what are some of like the, the kick up the bum? Or, I mean, it's a bit of a silly question because everyone's so different. Um, and everyone's story is so different. But what, what, what are, what are the, how do we unstick from the story, the life script? How do we, how do we, how do we ex, uh, yeah, excite ourselves enough or kick ourselves up the bum enough to, to flip the, I've already answered it, flip the dial. <laughs> how? A discomfort. <laughs> discomfort. Yeah. It, it, mm. it, if, if your listeners take anything from today, this whole thing is about discomfort. Mm. I know we're talking in, in concepts and we're probably, you know, mm. um, going off the track with our answers because that's the way we have our conversations yeah. as well. What in, track? There's no track. There's no track. There's no track. <laughs> but it, it really is all about discomfort from mm. the discomfort that you're hiding from, the discomfort that you put yourself in, the discomfort that it's going to take to change. Mm. Me as a practitioner, what discomfort can I tolerate? Yeah, mm. as well. I've got to sit in in every moment not knowing in order for you to understand. So it's very uncomfortable as a practitioner because I've, I'm, always, I'm always moving myself to the position of not knowing. Yeah, yeah. So practitioners think that their job is to fix or understand or know or diagnose where I'm moving the other way. I'm like, I always, always err on the side of not being too sure what I'm being told, but I'm fucking laser focused in finding out. Mm. Mm. And the only time I find out is when you know, and that can take time. Mm. Yeah. And that's really uncomfortable, Jack. It's really uncomfortable to hold someone there for that amount of time Mm. until they can see what they're doing and when they can clearly see what they're doing they now have a path you either keep doing that or we can come over here and try this knowing that this guy's going to block you every time yeah 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 and it's it really is discomfort mm. yeah mm. Um, it's discomfort that's stopping you from from um you know, you were saying before, I'm so fucking hungry, I want it. Yeah. You know, that, that place. Yeah. And why do we keep going back to doing the things that don't get us to that fuck, I want it place? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because mm. it's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's really, really uncomfortable. And I mean, for me, business is, I'm so, I'm, it's, I'm so bad. At, like, business is just this scary place for me because I just, I don't know, haven't really ever done it properly. Yeah. But I'm re- I feel like I'm ready, you know. It, Great. But yeah, it's um, negotiating, a def- you know, things like this, all, all this kind of adult shit, <laughs> adult shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's some people, some people. But even in your language, it, you know? like it, it's adult mm. shit, which means yeah. <laughs> which means you're in a particular story that you haven't mm, quite quite grown up out of right. yet. It's like I'm I'm so bad at business. Mm, yep. And it's this all this adult shit so you're hanging on to a particular story there right mm-hmm. and you believe business to be a particular thing a big mountain to climb a big mountain yeah. to climb but this yeah. is business mm. yep depends what your idea of business is yeah I think that's just so 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 often when like a 
talking to you or speaking to you, mm. it just from, it does take me back to little snippets of Anthony yeah. Robbins and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, like there's one thing about picking a big task. It can be a big mountain or it can be a couple of steps, mm. you know, and, and, and that's about goal setting too, right? You, you can have a goal to make an album of music and mm. that's a huge thing for yeah. producers, uh, look at a learned instrument or you could just like come up with a, a beat, you know, yeah. straight away. And that sounds good. That sounds shit. And, and it's just actually breaking down the big goal into heaps of tiny small goals that actually just makes it, uh, you get way more rewards along the way yeah. because you're achieving more goals. I've never been great at goal setting. Uh, I've got big, broad goals. Yeah. But, but you've got to know yourself right, to set right, goals. Because right, right. mm. how, how, how do you know? You've got to know yourself well enough to set goals. You've got to know that that's what you want mm. in order to set it. Right, right, right. Everyone has kind of those lofty goals of, you know, I want this and I want that. But to be really specific and clear in your goals, like this is exactly what I want to do and this is exactly where I want to be mm. in, in one year, two years, five years. You've got to, you've got to know yourself. You've got to be confident enough and that's the direction that you're going in and then you put the small steps in place every single day to help you get there. You know, and then, you know, ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing right now moving me towards that or away from that? Mm. If it's away from that, then you're probably in your habits and in your story. Mm. And that happens a lot. But just in, on, on discomfort again, when I, when I used to run classes, th this would be the best way I can describe it. When I would run a class, when I was uh, teaching at uni, I'd get 30 people in a room. Nobody knows each other. They don't know me. We've all met for the first time. They come in, they sit down, and I'm completely mute. I don't say anything. I'm really comfortable there. Yeah. Yeah. That's when interesting stuff happens too. I'm really comfortable <laughs> there. And you watch the noise. The noise is fucking fever pitch when they all walk in. And then one by one, they all notice that I'm not saying anything. And I'm sitting on the edge of my desk and I'm just looking at each and every one of them and one by one, they all shut up. And they all start looking at each other. And they're all looking at me, then each other, then down, then up, then around. And I stay quiet for minutes, minutes, <clears throat> which seemed like hours right at the point where you can feel it I'll go right welcome to counselling and communications where you're going to learn exactly what that feeling is and what it means and how it drives your life yeah and how it either helps or hinders you to get what you want both in practice and in life so pick a partner any partner you've got five seconds to pick someone sit in front of them do not say a word so they'd all pick a partner. They'd all sit in front of each other, giving away trade secrets here, but oh well. <laughs> Their job was to sit in front of this person for five minutes and not say anything. Person you've never met. It's truly one of the, one of the most beautiful things where firstly you met with that discomfort. And that discomfort you feel, that place that you go to when you're most uncomfortable, that's the part of you that's driving the bus. And if you don't know that person well enough, yeah, mm. 
you're not going to be sure where that bus is going to go. You've got to get a handle on that version of you that comes out when the headlights go on. Because that's the part, that's the person driving the bus. And that's why discomfort's so important. Because that version of you, when the headlights hit, that's the version that's driving the bus. And my job, yeah, is to bring that guy out, get you to see him and how he helps and hinders and what story he's been telling you, give you the blueprint. And then we go and explore what might be possible for you, which comes with its whole new set of discomforts. Mm. Yeah, so it's just one procession of discomfort after another. But you need pressure and discomfort to grow. There's no growth without this. Mm. Mm. Yeah? And you watch the guys afterwards. After five minutes, something happens though, Jack. You know, they, the laughter goes, the embarrassment goes, all the, all the noise and chortling and whatever. It all goes. Something happens. They all drop into this place. That space, man. I think. What that they drop into the space. And I say, and I will say that space you're feeling right now, yeah. Where you feel like you've known that person for a lot longer than you have. Mm. Yeah, that's what you're capable of. But when that noise is in front of you. You can't see anything. Mm. And then, boom, I'd get everybody to talk. And you could blow the roof off the joint. Seeming strangers who've just experienced that five minutes with each other. What is that? What is that? That's the fucking goal right there. That's the magic. It's, um, I've had that. I've what had is that? that a few. I'm so lucky to have experienced I know. that. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, it excites me. It's like, it well, makes you think everything's possible. Anything's possible. Well, you know, 98% of languages or communications, nonverbal. Mm. And a big part of our discomfort is how we use our words. Mm. Yeah, it's how we use our language. Remove that. Mm. You get to see quite a bit quite quickly. So that was how I introduced the subject. And it's like that in order to be great at your practice and in order to have a fulfilling life, you need to get to know that character really well. Mm. Yeah. That, that character that when you get really, really, really uncomfortable and you break out into whatever kind of defense mechanisms you have that stop you from experiencing that moment and thriving in it. Mm. Mm. When you're, you know, you've, you've dealt with so many people with trauma. Yeah. Um, day in. Day out. So many. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes energy is sticky. You know, sometimes mm. it's, it's mm. how, can, how can you just go to the next person when someone's telling you they're about to fucking kill themselves or some shit? Yep. And day in, day out, every single day, how, how do you, <clears throat> I mean, how do you not let it get the better of you? I, mm. I, I can understand a lot of it uh, coming from strength and constantly putting yourself under actual physical pain and pressure actually does 
you know, calluses you up, it toughens yep. you up, you can yep. deal with things. But it's not just that, there's layers to it, you know. There's, yeah. there's so much compassion fatigue and, and mm. translating that into your life, you can – I'm not a therapist, obviously, mm. but uh, you can learn how to be a really good therapist. But then when it also just comes to your interrelation, like your relations, mm. when, you're, when it's stickier because your emotional responses are people you care about and you love and if they're being mean to you or they're not seeing you or they're betraying you, it's um, – how do you how do you manage to keep on top of that and constantly be in a in a place yourself uh, where you can rise above all that? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that mm. one. Um, I don't think any of the answers I've given tonight have been easy. They've been kind <laughs> of moving into four different topics all at once. But they've been enlightening. That's just the way we do it, I guess. Mm. Um, right. So, you know, I often have that discussion, like, do you, do you need to be on the brink of burnout to know what it is and to know what to not do? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for starters, and I talk about it a lot, mm. but, you know, each practitioner, each person goes on their own, on their own journey. Um, and I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I, I've still yet to answer that question: whether or not you need to, whether or not you need to go to the brink of burnout to know what it is, then to figure out what doesn't work and what not to do, and what's more helpful. For instance, compassion fatigue. I, I don't, and this might be confronting for people to hear, but I don't express any compassion to my clients. I operate out of empathy, not compassion. Compassion would be to feel, to feel what my clients are feeling and to jump in there with them and to take it all on board and believe every last word of it and do everything I can to turn that around for them. Mm. And I've just learned over the years that none of that works. And so to take all of that on board is actually damaging for me and not helpful to the client. So why would I do it? Right. Yeah. So I don't do it. When I hear really shocking stuff, yeah, I, I don't allow the compassionate side to, to overwhelm me. What I do is I engage my empathic side. And the, the empathic side is more about, okay, I want to know everything about this. I'm here with you right now. You don't scare me. This situation doesn't scare me at all yeah tell me how much can you tell me how detailed do you want to get yeah help me understand it all when did it start when did it end yeah what do you remember what don't you remember who was there what were you being told what did you hear blah 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 and on and on and on and on and so I just go empathic and empathy is <clears throat> learning as much as I can about the subjective story without me getting involved myself. Because it's all about them understanding what they're going through, not me. Right. I'm, I'm, very little has to do with me. My job is to remain, just to remain, mm. to not counter-transfer over my own fear and my own shit and my own insecurity and my own trauma and my compassion is a trans, uh, 
uh, is a transference of my own story over yeah. to them. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm transferring my own feelings and my own story and what I think you're telling me over to you. Oh, you poor thing. That must be this and it must be that. I can I can I can see myself doing it when people are yeah yeah asking yeah. For and advice. now look, yep. <laughs> please don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place to go. Wow, that that must be that must be really hard. Hmm. or I can't imagine what that must be like. But I don't allow myself to get overwhelmed hmm. by that. I just allow myself to meet you there, but to not take all of it on board. However, there is vicarious trauma. Yeah, You're hearing this shit whether you like it or not. Hmm. You're hearing this stuff all day and you're hearing um, what people do when they're at their most desperate, what they're capable of what they want talking down from things that have happened to them, which are some, some things are barbaric. I hear this stuff all the time. So you can't help, but not take it on board vicariously. And for me, I know personally what I do is I become very cynical. Mm. That's a big trap for me. Right. That's where the senseis were really great because they would never let me get cynical. I just get very cynical about the world. Yeah because I'm just hearing the shit that's happened to, to people, things that people have done to other people, yeah. what people are going through, yeah? what they're hiding, the things that they tell me, but they don't show anybody else. And the part that, that really used to bother me, but now it's my favorite bit is when I would walk somebody through it and they would tell me that they did it. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's how it has to be. The clients have to think that they did it themselves or they won't take it on board. They will get resentful because you did it for them. Uh, that's, that's so fucking useful, man. They <laughs> will not take it on if they think you did it. Yep. They'll do it, but they'll resent you for it. And eventually they'll throw it because they don't own it. And my job is for you to fucking own it. But I used to get bothered by not having the recognition. And that was me getting involved. Mm. Now it's my favorite part because it means I've done my job well. Yeah. So I, I would get cynical. Yeah. And I would just <clears throat> lose faith very quickly. And, that, and that's, that was a vicarious trauma for me. I'd, I'd lose faith very quickly. I'd, I'd become reclusive. I don't really want to have much to do with anyone. So that's how it used to affect me. Hmm. But how do I deal with it now? Well, again, I don't buy in emotionally. Um, I've done it for a long time. So I know how to regulate how far I move in and how much I stay, step away. <clears throat> my first three hours of my day are mine and mine alone <clears throat> they're not up for discussion they're not up for negotiation nobody else is involved just me and the dog and that cup gets filled and filled firstly the cup gets emptied so I empty out all the rubbish from the day before I clean it and then the cup gets filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and then it starts to overflow and the only thing my clients get is my overflow. Mm. 
Fuck yeah. It's, it's extra. <laughs> it's, I need to get it off. Like right now, yeah. like the way I'm with you now, it's like I need to get it out. Yeah. You know, I need to get it out <laughs> of me. It's not draining me doing this. It translates, man. It translates. Yeah. Yeah. So that three hours a day of priming and filling <clears throat> where I've got so much stored, energy stored. And, I, and I've built my life that way. I'm really lucky that I can do that. Yeah, where I can spend the first three hours of my day doing a two-hour walk, doing a workout, doing a cold plunge, doing all these things, working on my goals, working on my self-talk. So by the time I get to the chair, Jack, I'm fucking bulletproof. And, and I've got no problem saying that. Like, come at me with whatever you want. And also... Last but not, not, not least is I know my story quite well and I know my trauma and I know my demons. Mm. Yeah? Yeah? And my demons are pretty demonic. And once you can stare your own demons in the eyes, proper stare them in the eyes, you have no problem sitting with someone as they're trying to figure it out and not trying to rescue them from that. Right. Yeah? I've stared mine in my eyes. I don't need to rescue you from yours to avoid mine. Gotcha. Got me? Yeah. So I can sit comfortably <laughs> in that. Put all those things together is how I do it now. Mm. But, you know, you can say it, but this is a, it's a practice thing. Yeah. And yeah, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I was telling you before, I was, I was up to like 35 clients a week, more. Mm. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was battle tested. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before I figured all this out, I used to take it all on board and my clients wouldn't change and they would leave and I'd be burnt out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> How's that work? So it's almost the opposite now. I do very, very little interfering. My clients do all the work. They stay and they change. But don't you get sick of hearing the same thing every week, Sol? Well, no, are you sick of telling me? Oh, it's just that I'm so fucking sick of hearing me talk about the same thing every week. Well, then tell me something different. Hmm. But if you don't, it means you're not ready to change it. It's okay. And we spoke before about what the work actually is and it's sitting in that chair every week and hearing that frequency being fed back to you every week. I still can't explain it perfectly, but if you put your ass in the chair every week, mm. yeah, with someone that has that level of control of themselves and who has that level of evenness and who can just feed that back to you every single week with no fluctuations. How are you not going to change over time? Yeah, my mere going to training four nights a week just but by my mere being there over, over that many years how can you not change yes there's a lot of work that goes in between that but 90% is putting your ass in the seat and doing it every week and making that a habit making that a commitment yep. when you can do that then you can fan out hmm. yeah and so that's, that, I mean, yeah, I went off track a little bit there again, but that's how I, 
that's how I stay clean of the work, of yeah. the stories. There's a, there's a Ram Dass quote. Do you know Ram Dass? Is it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. Love, love yes, Ram Dass. Yes. There's a Ram Dass quote where he says something like, I might butcher it, but it's, um, I work on myself to... I work on myself to be in service to others and I'm in service to others to work on myself. Shut, shut it down. Podcast over. Because <laughs> you are the only... That's it. Mm. Yeah. You're the only one here, Jack. Like in your world, you're the most important thing. Mm. If you're not taken care of, you can't expect for that person sitting in front of you to be helped. So actually, moreover, you helping the client, actually the help comes from how well you can help yourself, how well you show up to the chair. I love that. Podcast over. Mm. That's it. Yep. Yeah. The more you work on yourself, the more... Um, the more you know who you are and the better you can control that, the cleaner the space is in the room and the more your client can feel it. But as practitioners, we think we need to fix. We think we need to be the experts. When we're talking to friends, we think we need to come up with the answer for them. Mm. There's an old quote, like if you ask a question, you already know the answer. So your job is not to answer it for them. All right, well, what, what's going on? What do you think you should do? What have you tried? Whatever, wh wh whatever the question is. Mm. What happened? Okay, okay. Well, that's interesting. I'm just becoming more curious rather than trying to fix. They've got the answers. They hear themselves talk. They hear themselves talk. And the question I always ask is, now that you've said it out loud, what are you hearing differently? Mm. Same story, different angle. Now that you've said it out loud, yeah, don't need to jump in there and try and fix it. It's too much effort. And generally fixing is an avoiding of the self. If you jump in and try and fix, all you're doing is avoiding something over here and you're seeing it over there and it's easy to fix it over there. Right. Right? Yep. Yep. That's in life and in therapy. Yeah, I reckon I can definitely um, definitely take away quite a lot from just that lesson alone, man. Right. Yep. Yeah. Dude, that but was... We are pumping. Yeah. <laughs> we are pumping. How long have we been going for? Hour 20, man. What? Yeah. yeah dude. I've got another four hours in me at yeah. least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Any other questions? How does it feel to wake up every morning and piss excellence off? <laughs> <laughs> There's your laugh. <laughs> Mate. I wake uh, up every morning and it's a work in progress, truly. It's, mm. it's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, mate, there are... There are people out there that are light years ahead of me mm. in terms of what they're doing. So I just, I'm always, I'm always humbly, humbly with my head down, just 
aiming towards those guys that I admire and I work towards and I just get to work. It's not about pissing excellence. It really is about progress mm. and just constantly every day chipping away <clears throat> at just being that little bit better, being that little bit clearer, being that little bit more self-aware and selfish. Selfish in terms of your, your mental health and your health is something that we're not taught. Mm. Yeah? And, and I'm extremely selfish about my mental health. Yeah. So I love you. Your, your, uh, your, compliments, your compliments, like I, I don't mean to deflect that one, um, but <clears throat> yeah, there's always work to do, brother. Of course. There's always work to do. So it's a work in progress, man. Yeah. And, um, uh, man, this has been such a fun chat. Man. Can I just throw a, a quick throwaway question? It's a of big course, question. Please. Do you think enlightenment is achievable? I think enlightenment's a moment. Right, right. That's it, yeah. Enlightenment's a moment. When you learn something new. Hmm. Depends what you think enlightenment is, I guess, is is my answer. It's a moment, and I guess some people are able to create those moments more frequently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a... That's a good way of reframing the whole thing. I think Sensei once described it, once described it as enlightenment is like catching a horse running past a window. Something like that. Catching a horse running past a window. It's, it's like mm. this moment. And yeah. So when you learn something new or you're awakened to a different way of seeing things. Yeah. yeah. But there's always something else to learn. So I don't know, I, I kind of see enlightenment as something you're always working towards. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, but you never quite get there. Yeah. Because again, once you think you know something, immediately you've created the opposite. Mm. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it's like to, to try and achieve being free of the ego, you've already... To get there, you've already created an ego around that. I, I love fucking, that. Yeah. I love that comment. Be free of the ego. <laughs> don't meet, yeah. Is that even possible? Uh, no, it's just one and the same. Almost. Yeah. I, yeah <laughs> but to, I mean, to bullshit yourself to think you're free of the ego is a massive ego trip. It really is. <laughs> it really is. And, and, you know, to think there's, this, there's some summit you can reach. Mm. Yeah. Like, Hatsumi Sensei is 90 three, four, Whoa, something now, no shit. he's still training. Mm. He's still training. So I don't know, I think that that's probably another way to answer the question. He's yeah. still training. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows a thing or two that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you taking out of tonight, Jack? Oh, man, so much. I, every time I have a, a good... Well, I haven't really, yeah, a good chat with you or listened to a good mm, chat mm. you've had. Um, uh, I've, I've, a lot, man. I mean, on what we're talking about, giving advice to people. Mm. Oh, my God, exactly that. Of like, it's got to be them. It's got to be them. Um, and when you're trying to constantly tell people and then you're like, why don't they listen? <laughs> why well, I gave them the solution? And then it kind of, they end up just pushing you away or vice versa, or both. Mm. 
or just ends up not working. And, you know, when we're kind of talking about like contrasting your early therapy work to now when you're overflowing, mm. when you're getting results and you're seeing people improving, yeah. what a fucking, what a wonderful kick to yourself that, how, how amazing would that feel? And finishing, every, you know, finishing weeks like that, knowing you're helping people. It's incredible. Contrasted to investing too much emotion in not seeing any progress and thinking that it's soul crushing. what do I even, it's what am I even crushing. here for? I've seen so many practitioners end up in retail and, you know, health food stores. Mm. Mm. And, because, and just because of that very thing. And that is just like how important self-care is mm. and it's almost it's said to death it's almost cheesy to say it but like and i definitely don't do anywhere near mm. enough of it self-care and discomfort mm. they mm. are the two most important elements look after yourself go and deliberately make yourself uncomfortable so you can find your baseline right find out where you're really at mm. find out how you really operate in the world we can convince ourselves of anything. Mm. But go and find an art. I found mine where it was shown to me very clearly how little I was engaging in the world. Mm. Couple that with a, a strong self-care routine. Yep. Yep. You're ready to go. You're ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. But we'll see who does it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, man, thank you My so, man. so fucking much for the chat. Truly, I'm, 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 I'm really honored. Thank you for asking me. Um, Mate. And it's an honor to, to, to share this time with you, man. Yeah. Feelings feel right back at you, man. It's been awesome. Um, you're a very, very busy guy, but do you want people to check out um, any of your work, Mind Ninja? Is there um, anything you want people to check out or just... just um, I mean, if, if anybody's interested and they want to reach out, they, mm. can, they can find me, uh, yeah. Solomon at themindninja.com.au is my email. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just look it up on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's not too hard to find. Fuck yeah. um, but yeah, if they want to reach out to me, they can do it that way via email and we'll have a chat and... We'll take it. We'll take it from there. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, brother. My really, man. really appreciate oh, you're it. You're so welcome. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was great. It's going to be interesting to listen back to that. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> we went it's all around about here, baby. We went deep into deep. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, take care. Have a lovely day. Bye.